0: I love that, I will sing unto the Lord, that's biblical, but it's more than just being biblical, it's being personal with God, I will sing unto the Lord. Well welcome again to the Church of Omaha tonight, now we would love to dismiss our children right here to the back, our youth can head on out. And for the rest of you, I am in here, oh yes, uh, ladies, ladies, there's a ladies class right back here in my office, and I forgot the title of it, so I am sorry, um, but it is a good session, and it is traveling through the, patri- or the matriarchs, not the patriarchs, the matriarchs, So, all right, turn the pen off. If we want to turn to Psalms chapter 13, Psalms chapter 13, and we will go ahead and we will read verses five and six, and it says, but I have trusted in thy mercy, my heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. I will sing unto the Lord, because he hath dealt bountifully with me. And when we go to the Lord in prayer, um, ask God to move in the service, I would like us to just take a moment and pray for our brothers and sisters in Ukraine. Amen. Um, they're going through the battle right now, literally, All right. All right. And, uh, and spiritually. So just pray for them, and then pray for the people of Ukraine. Lord Jesus, you see the war that's going on in Ukraine. You see our brothers and sisters there, God. Those that have tried to get their family out of the country, but God, they're there for the gospel. You see our missionaries there. Lord, that have been holding on, even though, Lord, the, the bombs are falling in and evil rages around. God, keep them. Keep, thank you, Lord, for putting your holy angels there. Oh, God, for bringing sustenance to them and, and peace, Jesus, for bringing protection and being a shield, for supplying them financially and with all their need, Jesus, and being that covering. And God, when they're separated, for being their direction and their joy and their comfort. God, we ask you also to move in this service tonight. Keep, oh God, anoint, speak to us, let your word go forth, God, and draw us closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. This month, um, as we travel through this this month, I want to spend some time talking to you about prayer, about prayer. But as with any subject matter, some of you have been coming to church for a while, <laughs> and and so, uh, uh, you know, I kind of laugh at my own statements, you guys probably noticed that too, but some of you have been coming to church for a while, and, and so when I get down, I'm talking to God, I'm like, Lord, as we talk about this subject matter, what can we, what could you give us, and how could you enlighten us some more, and how could, how could uh, God, we go deeper and have a fresh understanding, and so I pray this month that God will lead and direct, and we may cover some very familiar scriptures, and we may cover some things that you're like, wait a second, I hadn't thought about that before. And so, um, But prayer, prayer. And Tonight I'd like to talk about um, prayer and prayer being personal and God being a personal God and a personal relationship. And so as I, I thought on prayer and as I talked to, to God about prayer, my mind wanders back to the book of Genesis. Um, and in the book of Genesis, we see communication. And that really, when I f- first think about prayer, prayer is communication with God. Uh-huh. And we think nothing of the fact that tonight you're sitting here and you're staring at me and I'm staring at you. And if I stare too long at you, you'll be weirded out by that. Um, but uh, we're, we're connecting with one another and you're listening to my voice and, and maybe afterwards uh, we'll visit some and and in our format here, we often don't have a lot of speaking from the audience, you know, asking them questions. But, but you're listening intently as I talk to you. And at times, I will listen as you talk to me. We're communicating. But not just that. I've got hand motions. I've got gestures going on. And you feel like that I'm being very personal with you. I've got voice inflection. And, and when I look at you and, and you're in my presence, you, you think, he cares about me. At least I hope you think that. I do. I do care about you. And I think that you want to be here tonight. Um, actually, looking out here, I think everybody wants to be here tonight. All the kids are gone. Uh, so um, Sometimes they're like, and they slide down in that seat, and you're like, yeah, somebody may drug you to church tonight, right? Um, you know, I don't, think, uh, I don't think I've had to drag my kids to church, so I can't say my kids are on drugs. Um, but, yeah, yeah, that was terrible. Terrible joke. I need to lay off jokes. I think that's the number one rule. Um, But we see a personal relationship. And so it first shows up, and I actually have these scriptures even underlined in my Bible. Um, But you see that God goes through the story of creation, and and we see how he formed man and he made man, and, and we see that he gave man direction to name the animals. But then you see sin occurs. And in that moment that sin occurs, we first see that the serpent spoke to Eve. And we see that Eve spoke to the serpent. But the next time we see some talking going on, we see that God is calling out for man. In fact, in this relationship between humans, and between people and God, the first thing that we see of speaking isn't Adam calling out to God or woman calling out to God, but it's God calling out to man. And I think it is important that you realize that God first came seeking you. He made you. He formed you. Now, God knows everything. He's everywhere. And so He knew where Adam and woman were. Um, the reason I say woman is because she wasn't named Eve till after the garden. Uh, and then Adam said, called her Eve because she's the mother of all living. So technically, her first name was woman. However, men, I suggest you not call your wife woman. Okay? I've I found that that doesn't fly very well. So don't say that. Um, but woman. So God made man and he made woman. And, and God comes walking in, and, and even though he knows where they are, they are he's calling. And he's, he's questioning and, 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 and he comes walking along and in Genesis 3, um, in Genesis chapter 3, we see him here and he says, where art thou? Where are you? Where are you, Adam? And Adam responds, he says, I heard thy voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And God asks that other question, who told you thou was naked? I was naked. And I preached a message out of here a few years ago. And, um, and that word naked there also indicates being powerless. It's kind of like when you'd see a slave and the slave would be brought to the auction block. And, and they would strip uh, um, the garments off. And they'd be standing there and, and people would come by and they would appraise them. And they'd say, okay, that one has the right kind of muscles and everything's there. But if you were that slave, that person that was drugged to the auction block... As you stood there, you had been jerked away from your environment, from your family, and and now you were standing there in your chains and you were bared before the world and everything about you was made vulnerable to everyone and you could do nothing about it. You were powerless. And so when he said, I was afraid because I was naked, what had happened to Adam and and Eve is, is that they had suddenly been stripped of their, their um, spiritual relationship with God, and they had been fully exposed for their sin, and they saw themselves in all their powerlessness and their nakedness both both in a physical sense but in the spiritual sense at the next level. Um, suddenly, they looked and they said, oh no, and they were powerless. And God asked that question. He said, who told thee thou wast naked? Or, or what I preached was who told thee Thou was powerless. And I want to highlight that for a moment because we fall into sin and we fall into conditions. And a couple things happen. One, I would like to ask you, who told you that you had to cave in to sin? Eve, when you stood there in front of the tree and the serpent spoke to you and and said, hey, there's something to be gained here if you do this, and it was appealing to her. Who told you that you were missing something in your life? You know, when God comes along and he tells you there's something missing, what he's doing is he's compelling into your heart and bringing you into a relationship with him that won't leave you with a hangover the next day, that's not gonna leave you regretting what you do. But when this enemy of your soul, when Satan comes along and he whispers to you, he's trying to entice you away to not be obedient to God. And it will leave you empty. And you will wake up and you'll say, Man, why did I do it? Or at least you better hope you wake up and feel that way. If your conscience has become desensitized, you need to get back and say, God, please make me sensitive again. But who told you? You were powerless. But the second part of that question is, you don't have to stay powerless. Because you have a God who came looking for you. And when God came looking for you, the enemy would like to throw back into your face, hey, you are powerless. Look at what you've done. And God says that he will clothe you with his glory, that he will cover your sins, that he takes care of them at Calvary. And so you don't have to think of yourself as powerless, which then brings us back to prayer, to prayer. And so God goes on and 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 man he's all jittery and he's like uh the woman that you gave me she made me do it and god turns to her and he says what hast thou done now women we could get a couple things out of this one you can be glad that god didn't first come and hammer on you he turned to the one that that he said hey you're supposed to be a shepherd of this place men we have a responsibility in the home so seek God. Women, you have a responsibility in the home as well. So seek God. God came and talked to both. And, and so he said, What is it that thou hast done? Can't you hear God that he's asking the question? He could have just come in and said, Boom, boom, boom. It's what we sometimes like to do as parents. But God came walking in and he's like, Hey, what's going on here? Where are you at? What have you done? What what have you done? You can see God's ache and and, and we can gather from this. I feel like when I read it, this this is somewhat of a familiar place that God had been in relationship with them. I know we don't see Him talking before this, but He shows up in the cool of the evening and He starts to ask the questions and, and they don't turn and say, well, who are you? Instead, they're like, oh, I know who you are. And they start to have to answer the questions. God desired to be in relationship and in a parental sense and in a creator sense he was there and he's reaching in and he's pulling and he's he's asking and he's connecting we we go on and we see that when you flip over uh, in your bible that then we have cain and abel in genesis chapter 4 and and when abel offered up a great sacrifice and cain didn't do so well and his countenance his attitude his demeanor all changed and And he had thoughts going through his head he shouldn't have. What did God do? This is great. The creator of the universe comes along. And he encountered Cain. Cain met with God. And God says, why are you thou wroth? Why is thy countenance fallen? Why are you angry? What's going on with you? Where are you at? You know, sometimes we get stuck in our spots. And we get filled with ourselves. And when you are enclosed in your life, and you're living in your own little private world, in your private room, and your thoughts are flowing, and you get madder and madder, sometimes if you just voice something, all of a sudden you'll realize how stupid it was. Um, (laughs) Thinking about your grandkids, I said stupid when we were babysitting them once. (laughs) They let me know that's a bad word. Um, But sometimes we are stupid. And when we can just voice out there And it comes out, and all of a sudden we say, you know what? That really was kind of (laughs) dumb. I don't know why I was thinking that. God was giving Cain an opportunity. You don't have to hold on to this thing that's making you angry. You don't have to let it eat you up. God came along and said, hey, Cain, there isn't anybody else going to approach you and call you out on this. But I just want to know, what's going on? Why are you angry? And he lets him know, if thou dost well, thou shalt thou thou not be accepted? And if thou dost not well, sin lieth at the door. Cain, this is what would happen. I'm giving you counsel. I'm giving you advice. But later he has to return and God asks questions again. Where is Abel thy brother? And he also asks, what hast thou done? Cain, Cain. Even after Cain murdered somebody. Even after after judgment was to fall, God still was there, and He's saying, what did you do? I find it very sad when I read Genesis that I see God pursuing man, but other than sacrifice offered up by Abel, I don't see man pursuing God. We, we run into Noah, and we see that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. We also see that Enoch um, was not, for God took him. So we know Enoch had a relationship but we don't get to see the record of how they talk to each other. Instead, we still see God reaching in and we see God looking down on humanity and seeing great sin. And and, and we see this this seems all one-sided. God reaching in. God looking. God telling Noah, hey, there's a way to escape. God has desired to connect with people. Don't let anybody tell you, okay, yeah, there's a God, but He walked away after He created this. Okay, there's a God, but He's not involved in your life. God is very much interested in you. He would not have come and been beaten and bloodied and humiliated and shamed and died on the cross if He didn't love you deeply and very personally and if He did not want to connect with you on a daily basis. And I would even like to say all the time. God wants to be in connection with you all the time. Oh, that doesn't mean you have to be uttering words to him every moment. But he's the one person that doesn't want to be left at home. I travel out to work. My wife goes to work. My kids go to school. We're separated a lot in the day. But God's a jealous God. And he's like, don't leave me at the bedside. Don't leave me in the car. Don't leave me when you sit down to watch the TV. Don't leave me when you pick up your phone. Don't leave me when you get into your into any other book that's out there. Keep me with you. When you're in trouble, call on him. When you're going through a struggle, call on him. When you see something exciting, let him know about it. God wants to be with you always, always. You know, I would like you to treat God the way Winston, my dog, treats me. I promise you, I will be with him right here and he's there, and something distracts him, and I go over here, and I step out of view for a moment. He doesn't see me, and then I walk back, and I say, Winston, and he dances like I've been gone all day, and he dances in front of me, and it's been three seconds, and he's like, oh, you're here. Oh, I'm so excited to see you. I would like you to be anxious for God. I would like myself to be anxious for God not like oh hey you're back from from doing whatever you were doing in China today God huh no man God I love you I love your presence how have you been doing today if we could just get some excitement about him oh some thrill about him some adoration about him oh man it's God oh don't just treat him like an academic book or 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 something that you heard in the news Oh, but just, it's a relationship. He's a real living God. Questions. God asks questions. We see that God was in relationship with with Abraham, and and we see that God comes sorting out problems with him. We see that God was in relationship with with, with Jacob, and, and that he found Jacob when Jacob had never even really sought God. And we see that God was in relationship with Israel. He calls Israel his firstborn. And he calls Israel his son. And he pulls him out. You know, that the, the nation of Israel, I wouldn't say the, the, uh, um, the assembly or the people of Israel. God first called all of them to the mountain. God wanted to speak with all of them. And they were scared, and they were like, Moses, you need to be God God to us. You need to be in between us and Him. Hear His loud, booming voice, but they were to be a nation of kings and priests. God wanted to be in relationship with all of them. God wants to be in relationship with all the church. This ministry team up here, isn't here to stand between you and God. Yes, we get down and we pray, and yes, we bear you before God, but hear me, God wants to connect with you, and we're just here to help bring along that connection, to teach and to preach and to to admonish. But at the end of the day, Jesus is living in you, and you are the body of Christ, the church of the living God. So this relationship... This communication. So with that, I want to flip over to Psalms chapter 13. Because I could think of no better way as I was thinking about relationship and prayer and communication than to think about the Psalms. You see, God wants to be in communication with you. But a relationship with God is very real. And words don't adequately describe what it is I want you to feel. And that is that God wants to connect with you. And he wants you to connect with him. As I've told you repeatedly, as I've described through some different scriptures here, God has come searching for humans, for people. I failed to mention him, but Elijah, and you can look in 1 Kings chapter 19, but after he had called fire from heaven, after he had seen great works, and he was down and depressed, I, I find it very moving that he ran back to the place where Moses first encountered God, and, and God starts out and he says, what dost thou here, Elijah? Mm. I love that question, because I don't know about you, but I've been in a place that was down and out. And God comes along, and just like he did with Adam, and just like he did with Cain, he did with Elijah. And he says, what what are you doing here? What are you doing here? And then he takes him through the, the whirlwind. He takes him through the earthquake. He takes him through the fire. And he doesn't find that connection with God in those places. And then he brings a stillness. A, a quietness that's so quietness that you could hear it and he hears in that still small voice he finds God and then God says so what are you doing here what are you doing and and, and Elijah was able to express his frustration express his anguish he expressed what he had expressed before and And he says, I, only I, which wasn't a true statement, but it's how he feels. And God didn't drop the hammer on him. God didn't walk away. Oh, the creator of the universe who has all the world under his purview was one-on-one with Elijah. And he was saying, hey, what are you doing here? Oh, I want to tell you, when you take a stand for God, and then you've gone through some trouble in your life, and, and, and you doubted God... That doesn't mean that God walks out on you. I I want you to understand that God is over here saying, what are you doing? What are you going through? Oh, what's happening to you? I haven't left you. I'm still over here. Hey Elijah, we did the mountain together. Hey, we've gone through the last three and a half years together. Oh, somebody hear me. You've been walking with Him for 20 years. And others, maybe it's only been a year. But God's still there, and He's saying, "I know it's a low point right now, but I just want to ask you, what are you doing here?" He's given you opportunity to respond to Him, to say, "Here's where I'm at. Here's what I'm going through." And there's a, the Book of Psalms expresses these sort of sentiments, time and time again it's a book of prayers it's a book of worship it's a book that's I see primarily communication from me to God it opens up the rawness of how a person feels In the other parts of the Bible it's like reading a novel it's a narrative right you you, you see it and you're looking in but and you can you can personalize those stories and they can become like your moment too But when you enter into the book of Psalms that Bishop has been traveling through so very well and he's um, compiled his sermons and written them out so you can go through them and they're in the back there. Um, He's on book six now. Or actually seven he's working on, but six books are out. and, And he's traveled through this very well. But these Psalms were written for you. They were written for you and in them you can find out about Jesus Christ. But you can take them in personally. You can pray them. You can apply them. But also from them, you can see how it is that you can take your own personal situation and bring it to God. There's psalms of worship. There's psalms of anguish and worship. And there's psalms of just complaining or psalms of lament. You guys know that one-third of the psalms or a complaining psalm. One third. That's amazing. When we get up here on Sunday morning and we sing songs. How many times have we gotten up here and sang? It's been a really hard week and I think you left me God. And I don't even know why I had to go through anything out there. And Has anybody ever sung that on Sunday morning? <laughs> Yet one third of the psalms. Are reaching out saying, there's a problem. There's a struggle. Psalms chapter 13, let's let's go through it together. Six verses, it's short. We'll travel down through it, but we see right away, we see David here. And he says, how long wilt thou forget me, O Lord? Forever? Has anybody ever said that? See, when you get down to pray, sometimes, maybe a third of the time... It might be somewhat often that you're like, are you going to forget me? Not just that. How long will you forget me? In fact, when you read some of these psalms, you'll wonder, did David, did the writer, did he struggle with some emotional issues? Well, guess what? I struggle with emotional issues. I've been depressed. I've had anxiety. And sometimes I've wondered, you know what? Yesterday was great and I was pretty on top of it. And now I'm feeling pretty low. What's going on here? Has anybody ever wondered what's going on with your mind? Or did I just tell you something about myself? Yeah. No. We can see this. And this is something that you don't have to hide from God. But you can get down and you can say, how long are you going to leave me here? How long am I going to have to struggle? Are you going to forget me forever? What's going on, God? How long wilt thou hide thy face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? You know, we can dissect each of these words, and sometimes we do that. But I want you to take these psalms and live them. Oh, read them and pray them. Put it together. Because we see David here saying, how long shall I take counsel? I, I, I feel like I'm doing this all by myself here, God. And then he comes back and he says, hey, you know what? I've been struggling, but now I want to tell you about my struggle. And, and he says, hey, um, how long shall my enemy be exalted over me? He's like, I've been struggling here, but I want you to look over here. And, and how long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Bear your heart to God. Share with him your struggles. You cannot get the true benefit of worship. It's hollow and it's somewhat empty if you won't also come to God and say, hey, it's been a hard day and I've really been going through some things. And it may not seem big to anybody else, but it has consumed my entire life. You know what, God? God? I seem to get an ache right here in the back of my shoulder. Actually, that, that's just an example. I don't get an ache back there. But I get a problem right back over here and, and it's hurting. You know, even throughout the day. You're sitting there and you're working away. Joey, you might be painting a house. Or you might be looking to paint a house. And, and you can be like, I don't care that if two months ago it was going great. You can be like, You know what? I've got to redo that wall right now. How much more can I take? Why did the roller on that brush have to do that? I can't take any more. You know what? I can't afford to be sick right now. And I got this and I got that. You can tell God that. When somebody's been challenging you on the job and they keep coming at you or the enemy of your soul keeps bombarding your mind, Say, how long does he get to stand there and accuse me? When are you going to shine, God? When do I get to see you show up? Go ahead and tell that to him. You have permission from the Psalms. You have it there. How long? But he doesn't stop there. He says, consider in here. What is he doing? He's asking for help. Or one translation says, consider here. And answer oh God I'm not just gonna tell you about my problem but I'm asking you God to move in it I'm not just gonna be in frustration with you wondering where you're at but now God I'm saying Lord will you do right here just because you complained to God and wondered where he was doesn't mean that you don't trust It doesn't, it doesn't have to mean that you doubted Him just because you expressed your frustration. And so when you then return and you say, okay, God, I need you to consider. I need you to listen. I need you to, I need you to do something about this. I'm asking you to answer, oh God. Answer, oh Lord God. Lighten mine eyes lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed against Him. And those that trouble me rejoice when I am moved. Oh God, you know what the enemy's out there. But you, you know what you've moved into here? You've moved into looking to solve the problem. Now I understand some people out there don't seem to want their problem solved. It Usually seems to be my <laughs> my kids. You know they actually do want the problem solved. Um, and uh, and I've learned also that sometimes I just need to listen to my wife, and and that she just wants to vent. You know, you can just vent to God, and then sometimes you're just done. It feels great. He knows way better than I do when to just listen. But you can come to God and say, God, you know, I've vented here, but we have to do something about this. Make that in your prayer. Spend some time venting. But then say, okay, God, can we sort through this? Can you do something about it for me? Oh, isn't that exciting? (laughs) You know, right now, you know what I see? Trevor, you want to stand up for a moment? You know I get this, and I, I sometimes get frazzled, and I am embarrassed to say it, but I'll be. And all of a sudden, here's what I get. You, you go ahead, you work away. And oh, I get one better. I got these earbuds, and since I've been working from home a lot, I talk on the phone through my earbuds. Here's what the kids do. The earbuds right there. Are you on a call? I'm like and everybody else heard you too. <laughs> yeah. They walk in. Some of you, I've been visiting with you, and I'm talking to you, and, and I'm standing here talking, and what do I get? They're like, hey, Dad. I'm like, I'm talking. Yeah, but. Yeah, but. That's a, God is right there, and, and you can be like, And and somebody would say, and the enemy of your soul would say, "Oh no, there's a long list of people in front of him." In fact, do you see what's going on in Ukraine? There's a lot of people that need his attention right now. What are you doing? And you're like, "Uh, but 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 but, hey dad, hey dad, my kids are like, you should be able to take care of your work. And sometimes I'm like, I got too much to do. And 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 the next kid comes along, hey 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 hey, and. And they just come right in. You get to do that with God. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. When I thought of this passage, when I was going through it, I was reminded of Esther. You see, Esther, and and she came to God, or not to God, she came to the king, she came to her husband, and she came with an understanding of who he was. But she had an understanding in that relationship that even herself, even as queen, if she wasn't invited into his presence, she could be killed. And so she came in acknowledging him and, and she's like, I got a problem here. I got a situation. He, this is my husband. And he's the king. And I think he'll, and so she went in, but she needed him to extend the scepter. That example right there of being in awe of God, of, of recognizing who he is, that part of it's a great example. But I want you to know, you never have to worry because his scepter's out there. Oh, as long as you'll realize that God is great and I serve him and he's my Lord and king, you can come right into his presence. Oh, he's an ever-present help in a time of trouble. Oh, you get to come boldly before the throne of grace. You don't have to wonder, oh, am I not going to be invited in this time? Oh, but the door is wide open. The veil was split, and he's saying, "Hey, whosoever will." And then he calls you sons and daughters. You know, um, and I better hurry up here. But there's something I see there. He's our father in creation and in our provision. Okay, and, and so he's our creator. He's our, our brother, and and he died for us. He died for our sins, and. And so in, the, in rising again from the, the, the dead and in the resurrection, in that sense, he's our brother because he was the first. But we see that this relationship moves into we're the bride. We're in this husband and wife thing. Why? Because God wants to be more than just your creator. He wants to be more than just the, play the role of father. But long-term wise, he is saying, hey, I've described it many different ways. I've been that one that said, hey, you know, I've been through this with you too. I've been like a brother to you. But what he's really saying, Jennifer, you know what he's really saying? He's he's saying, hey, we're a team here, and we're in relationship, and and I love you, and you love me. And he compares it, and it's that husband and wife relationship. And God doesn't want you just to, to treat him as somebody I come to be my provision. He wants to be that one that you work with hand in hand. And so we come to him in this psalm and in this prayer. And we tell him of our trouble. And so what did we do here? We shared our struggle. We asked him to move and work. We declared to him what the enemy was doing in our life. But something I want to point out to you is verses 5 and 6. It says, but I've trusted in thy mercy. My my heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. I will sing unto the Lord because he hath dealt bountifully with me. One, What is David called? He's called a what? A man after God's own heart. Furthermore, I read no scripture in the Bible that contradicts these psalms and rebukes David... ...for all the ones that he wrote or any of the other writers. Has anybody ever read anything that made you think... "Aha! what they wrote in Psalms chapter 16 should never have been written? Has anybody ever seen that? Nope, God sure didn't want David to express those words that he expressed in... ...Psalms chapter 13 verse 1, how long will I hide thy face from me? I've never read that. But don't we have a book of Job in which Job laid out a long list of complaints... And did God not come and rebuke Job? So what's the difference? The difference is in your complaining, you've got to elevate God. Because if you just elevate yourself and you stand there and, and you're like, I this and I'm going through that, and where are you? You need to bring In all of these psalms, there's only one psalm in there where you just see it all complaint. Otherwise, you see that God is elevated. God is worshipped in some sort of way. He's acknowledged for who He is in some sort of way. So what you need to do is acknowledge God for His greatness. And by saying these words, But I have trusted in Thy mercy. My heart shall rejoice in Thy salvation. God, I'm trusting You. Okay, I've listed out my complaints. I've laid them out before you. But God, I am putting my trust in you. Job got into trouble. He elevated himself. I don't know that he intended to, but he did. Where do we see that at? And I am not at all means trying to compare Job to Lucifer. We know that Job said, hey, one day I shall see God. God. One day he's going to show up. We see that he had a confidence in God. Um, But we saw Lucifer lifted up in himself. And he forgot that he needed to, not forgot. He, He was lifted up in himself and he should have always kept God elevated and been like, that's the one that I worship. So in all of your complaining, in all of your lamenting, in all of bringing your requests to God, make sure to elevate him Why does the Lord's Prayer say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. You are elevating him in your problem. You're elevating him. But I have trusted in thy mercy. My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. And then he says, "But I, he says, I will sing unto the Lord because he hath dealt bountifully with me. When you read that verse right there, he's saying, hey, that's something that's going to happen in the future. This is what I'm going to do because you've delivered me. That is not bribing God. Trevor, he's not, David's not saying, okay, <laughs> you'll get some worship from me if you uh, go ahead and you uh, take care of my problem. No, what, the, what David is saying here is I know that you are going to show up. I have sought your face, and so I'm just letting you know that there is going to be a public proclamation that declares, and so people can also see what you did for me. I'm going to tell somebody about it, and what you need to do in your life is say, right now I'm going through a struggle, and I've sought you, oh God, and it's been a battle going up here, and it's been super crazy, but I'm going to come through this, and when I do, I'm going to give you some worship. I'm going to go to Brother Kennedy here and I'm going to say, Brother Kennedy, you want to know what? I was down and depressed the other day, but I called on God and it seemed like it was going to be forever. But Thursday came along and suddenly I began to feel a little lifted in my spirit. Oh, I, I was barking at everybody on Monday. Oh, and I, and I thought, man, you know, I had to apologize. I'm like, I'm sorry. Actually, that did happen. Um, and I was like, kids, I'm sorry, but I'm kind of at my, my I'm frazzled here. And I got to get this thing done. And, and, and I woke up Tuesday morning, and I had a bounce in my step. And I thought, man, they're going to say, what's wrong with that? And, and, and God came in, and he went ahead, and he picked me up, and, and, and he gave me joy, and he helped me out of where I was at. You know what I said to him while I was struggling? God, I need your help right now. <laughs> it's a personal relationship. And I want you, you're not bribing God. You're letting him know. It's, okay, it's one thing to say, I'm going to praise him in the struggle. And I want you to do that. And I'm going to preach that. And I'm going to teach that. But it's also okay to say, you know, when I come through this, there's going to be some worship. Good man. No. Not because I'm saying I'm not going to worship you until I come through it. No, you're saying God is going to bring me through this. And when I do, I'm going to have some worship to hold on to. And when I go through that next thing, I'm going to say, yeah, he was my deliverer then. And he's going to be my deliverer now. And really, it's this personal relationship. It has ups and it has downs. Just because you sometimes are in a down moment doesn't mean that you're a person that's like this, tossed with the the waves and uh, driven by the wind and tossed. You know, that scripture is, if any man lack wisdom, let he ask of God who giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. But let him ask in faith nothing nothing wavering. Sometimes we read that scripture and then we feel like we went through ups and downs. And so we think, oh, I'm an unstable person. I must be double-minded. No. Life is up and down. And sometimes emotions go up and down. And we try to hold that even. But just because you went through, this is about all I can take moment, doesn't mean you've walked out on God. That's another lie from the pit of hell. Just because you came and shared your complaint doesn't mean you walked out on God. In fact, it's the reverse. It means that you're still trusting God. And so if we could stand to our feet. In this first Wednesday of the month, we've opened up by letting you know that God wants to be in relationship. That God has sought relationship from the very beginning. We know at Calvary he died on the cross for your sins. And we know that he has put his spirit inside of you. First poured out on the day of Pentecost. And as to whosoever will. And the promises unto you and to your children and to all that are far off. What can we gather from that? It's that God, oh, he wants to be with you. Emmanuel, God with us. But he, he's with us right here. That means he is in every fiber of your being and so Joe when you went through struggles he went through your struggle Mm, he he was there it didn't catch him by surprise and so he wants you to communicate with him so this very first Wednesday I want you to be open and raw with God make that part of your life remember one-third of the Psalms are laments And you can share with God. So as we close out tonight, I would just like you to close your eyes and lift your hands. And just make a a commitment to Him. To connect with Him daily. To pray. And to be real with God. Lord Jesus, you are my God and you are my King. God, you are holy and you are righteous. But God, I have learned that you care about everything in my life. Lord, I haven't just seen that You've desired to be in relationship with man, but I've seen how man has been in relationship with You and how that God, even my struggles, You want to hear about them. Oh God, that it's okay to share it with You. And God, I'm going to bear my heart with You, to You. I can share with You, God, like I can't share with anybody else. Oh, but God, at the end of the day, I know that You've got it. And that you're not going to leave me. And that I maybe don't know how it will work out. But that you're going to take care of the situation. And that you'll never leave me nor forsake me. And I'm going to go ahead and declare your mercies. And I'm going to give you praise. And I'm going to give you worship. Hallelujah. You are holy, oh God. And church, we opened up with this preaching with worship to God for His greatness. And I would find it fitting if we could just close with some worship for his greatness for what he's done and for what's gonna where he's gonna be at today and in the future oh you are holy oh God you are great oh God you are my provider you are my healer you are my peace you're the one I go to when I'm in struggle and you walk with me every day hallelujah Jesus you're my personal God and it's a personal relationship and I love you Jesus and I'm committing my life to you. Hallelujah. I give you glory. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, behold Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. It's a personal relationship. And so I, I ended here by saying, hey, we walked through that God wants to be in relationship with you. But as I said, even when I was praying, we see in the Psalms, Man being in relationship with God. So go ahead. Be real with God in your prayers. Be honest with him. If you need to pick up one of these songs and psalms and make it personal, do it. It was written for you. But at the end of the day, make sure to recognize that he's in control and give him worship. Hallelujah. God bless you. We'll see you again on, on Sunday and next Wednesday.